welcome to the Brain for Business podcast with me, Lawrence Snell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain, behavioral and organizational sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. As always, make sure to follow us on Twitter at brain for biz and LinkedIn, or else we look forward to your feedback and comments by email to laurie at brainforbusiness.ie. I first came across the work of today's guest one Monday morning a few months back at around 4 a.m. as I browsed the website for the Guardian newspaper on my phone. Unlike some people who make a point of waking that early in order to get a head start on the week, for me, this was just another Monday morning when I woke far too early with far too many thoughts about work buzzing through my head. What perhaps is worse is that I had also struggled to get to sleep early the night before, as those same thoughts about work kept spinning around and around. To discuss this phenomenon, sometimes called the Sunday Night Blues, I'm delighted to be joined today on the Brain for Business podcast by Professor Ilka Incholu. Professor Ilka Incholu is Professor in Organizational Behavior and Human Resources and Director of the Exeter Center for Leadership at the University of Exeter Business School. Her research focuses on employee well-being and work behavior and has been published in leading journals such as Leadership Quarterly, Journal of Occupational Health Psychology, and Frontiers in Human Neuroscience. Ilka is currently also primary investigator on the ongoing Banishing the Sunday Night Blues research program commissioned by Channel 4 in the UK and delivered in close partnership with investors in people. The Banishing the Sunday Night Blues project aims to investigate the experience and impact of the Sunday Night Blues and develop a toolkit with guidance for employees, line managers and HR directors to help banish those Sunday Night Blues. Ilka, welcome to Brain for Business. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Lawrence. Maybe we'll start by by asking, you know, what what are the Sunday night blues? I talked a little bit about my experience, but but in more general terms, what, what are they? Yeah, that's a, a great question. The first one we actually looked at in our research, so in a series of interviews. And what we found is that it's a feeling of yeah being down on a Sunday, a feeling of um, dread, um, being anxious, already preoccupied with the work week ahead. Uh, it's a quite individual experience. So for some people, it starts, for instance, uh, already at Sunday lunchtime, they start thinking about work, others start in the afternoon. And there are also some who, who don't experience it. So it's a quite individual experience, but generally characterized by kind of feelings of yeah, being down, dread, preoccupation with work, feeling stressed already, thinking about work, even though you are not at work yet. And what causes the, the Sunday night blues? Is it simply that that thought that impending work is there and needs to be dealt with or will need to be dealt with, or is it something else? Yeah, that's a great question. And we found uh, so far, and we're still analyzing the data we collected, that you can basically group the the kind of factors that seem to contribute to it into two groups. So one is individual kind of person-related factors, and the other ones are, are work-related. So 
when we look at individual factors, um, what plays into it seems to be so self-imposed expectations. Some people say they have uh, imposter syndrome, especially when they have moved into a new job role. Let's say they have just recently been promoted. Then some mentioned assertiveness or lack of in terms of being able to say no to, to new work and new projects that are being delegated to them. And some people also feel a sense of kind of like job insecurity, even though there don't seem to be any signs that there are redundancies at work, but it's just this, this feeling of doubt, am I good enough at what I do? So this, these are some of the individual factors that contribute to it. Then when we look at work-related factors, the preoccupation with work seems to be worse when people have a particularly busy week ahead, when they have the feeling they are firefighting rather than being able to focus on core tasks, when they feel they're in a work culture where they are being asked to do too much. Other factors that played into it are a challenging meetings, working with people they people find difficult and let's say you have a, a difficult client customer colleague and you've got a, a meeting with them already on on a monday um, also generally kind of very dry operational meetings on monday mornings are not great then emails receiving emails for instance from your boss on a sunday already makes you think about work and should i be checking my email should i be responding should i be on top of it that's another one and some people said, and I think that's really interesting, not having many examples in, in their company of, of managers at all level who kind of role model a good work-life balance or sticking to boundaries between work and non-work. Okay, so it's a range of, of factors. What strikes me, though, and I guess I'm thinking as much as anything else about myself in, in this context, but also people I've known, you know, surely we, we do all get fluctuations in mood across the week that maybe on a Monday, oh, you know, we've had a great weekend, we're feeling a bit down about being back at work, but then we get to Friday and there's a sense of, of buzz and maybe Wednesday is really dragging. So would that also be part of it, just a natural fluctuation in mood across a, the seven-day period of a week? Yeah, that's an excellent point. And other researchers have looked into this. So when we look at fluctuations of mood, we, we generally find that there are some trends that people, for instance, are, uh, yes, uh, actually experiencing, for instance, high work engagement on a Friday, which is completely independent of what they do. It's just knowing that you're going into the weekend and it's low on a Monday morning. And so one question that we're looking into now is, so how much of you know, the blues on a Sunday is is kind of just part of these fluctuations and something you can just, you know, accept and, and plan to do something about it that's within your control or, or when does it get to the point at which you might want to change something? And what we also found is that the Sunday night blues is is not simply just being experienced by people who who hate their job. I mean, we've, we found actually most people we interviewed that they were really passionate about their job and they loved their job. And there seems to be something around 
yeah, when you love your job, you might be quite busy and have self-imposed expectations. But yeah, it's a good question. You know, how much how much is acceptable and at which point should you worry? And that's the next thing we're looking at. To what extent does it impact your Monday? And what's coming through some of the interviews is that some people feel they're kind of a bit disorientated on a Monday morning or it affects their sleep. So they they feel they they don't have a great start to the week. And what we have also picked up, and again, it depends on people's circumstances, but some people say that they don't experience it, but let's say their their husband does, and that really affects the whole family on a Sunday because it cuts the weekend short because, yeah, that family member worries about work and is, is not present to engage with the rest of the family, or they might actually already be working and checking emails. and. That again, that actually not only cuts your weekend short with everyone around you, but it also reduces the time that you have to recharge your batteries. What what percentage of people then would would you suggest actually suffer from the, the Sunday night blues? And I guess I'm thinking both of your own research here, but but more broadly into these sorts of things. Yeah, and so we haven't got representative data. The Government published um, a statement in the in the press uh, in 2021 in October on um, I think it was Mental Health Day, International Mental Health Day, and they estimated that was one in seven experienced it or have experienced it at some point in their careers, and that was just looking at a population of UK employees. So if, as you said, you don't have a representative sample, perhaps you might tell us, how, how are you investigating it then with, with your, your sample? You mentioned their interviews. Is that how you're looking into to, to the Sunday Night Blues and the impact? Yeah, so we're looking at so using a multi-method approach because it is such an individual experience that we wanted to start with interviews to say, is it really a thing? And if it is... What does it feel like and what are the factors that contribute to it and how does it impact people? So that was the first stage. And then we collected data with a quantitative sample, which we're still analyzing twice and with several hundred people. And we basically followed them across several weekends and we're still analyzing that. And there we want to see what difference does it make to you? Um, I mean, what is the drop in mood on your Sunday and how does that affect your your Monday. And yeah, the next step, yeah, would be, and I'd love to do that, maybe to do a representative study or use a representative sample and see how how many people experience it. And past researchers looked at quantitative data, um, not representative samples, but the general conclusion is often, yeah, there is fluctuation, but the effects are very small. And I can see why, because it is an individual experience. So if you ask everyone on a Sunday night, some people will say, well, you know, for me, it starts at lunchtime. Others feel it in the evening. For some, it's being anxious. For others, it's being, feel, you know, the feeling of, yeah, feeling slightly depressed. <laughs> um, and others don't experience it. You, you said that you're still a- analyzing the, the the data. But I, I guess the question that, that comes to mind is, 
And, and maybe this links to your final point there when you said some people report not experiencing at all. But are the Sunday night blues worse for, for some people than, than, than others? So, for example, you know, level of job, age, gender, level of responsibility, self-employed versus not self-employed? The one thing that has come through um, in the focus groups and interviews is that people who are in kind of high responsive jobs or reactive, so who have to do a lot of firefighting and don't have as much control over their schedule, especially on a Monday morning, they they seem to experience it on a on a Sunday night, find it harder to switch off from work. Uh, also people who are in in quite yeah dynamic environments. And I'm not saying it's it's only in those environments. And then one thing that has also come through is we have had participants saying, I don't really have the Sunday night blues, but the Sunday night is the least pleasant evening of my week because there's all the preparation work for the week ahead. We have to get the family ready and the children, and I don't want to go to bed at the, the time they should and everything the kind of non-work admin is all bunched into the Sunday night. And, and does that also extend to people who are self-employed? And I guess I'm self-interested in this question because I'm self-employed as well. That Because you, you might imagine that people who are self-employed would perhaps have a higher degree of control or should have some degree of control over what it is that they're doing on a regular basis. So we that's a great question. And we haven't analyzed that data separately and we don't have a big enough sample to say this is um, how the self-employed population perceives it um, I would say I mean the self-employed on a Sunday would probably experience similar kind of pressure on on admin uh, for instance their family sure. commitment the children still have to go to school on Monday but they have more freedom over their schedule on Monday morning and that's that can make a difference yeah, so con consciously engaging with their schedule to make sure that anything that's too stressful isn't first thing on Monday morning or too dry and operational, perhaps, yeah. uh, yeah. as you said. I, I know uh, before we move, move on, I, I know we've been, you know, needless to say, calling it the Sunday Night Blues, but uh, just, just to clarify, does this also occur or, or perhaps impact people who don't have that same you know monday to friday working week so maybe people working different shift patterns or a fortnight on a fortnight off do, do people in those sorts of roles also experience a similar kind of phenomenon that is a really interesting question and so i haven't got um, enough data to really partial it out um, what has come through um, in the focus group and interview so again it's not representative but people who work have shift patterns say that they 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 don't experience it on Sunday but then it's maybe their Monday but for some it's then less somehow less strong because it doesn't have the Sunday connotation on the other hand um, I remember in in one interview one participant said well I work a four-day week and I have the Monday off so I don't get the Sunday night blues however when I'm back um, at work on a Tuesday Everyone else has had a head start of working through the emails and I have a lot of catching up to do. And the knowledge that this is going to be my Tuesday morning actually makes me feel down on my Monday evening. 
Okay, so it's a similar kind of thing, perhaps, but but with a different variation, because as you said, in, in the in, instance you're referring to there, everyone else had that head start, and they were b- busy, uh, b- busy catching up. That, I guess, brings me to to, to my next question. We, we've talked a little bit about the impact for for individuals uh, of the Sunday Night Blues, but what about for organisations? Because surely the last thing an organisation would want is for, you know, um, however many percentage of their staff turning up on Monday being tired and stressed already before they've even started the working week. So what is the impact for organisations of the Sunday Night Blues? Yeah, that's what we're looking at now. I mean, one is exactly what you said. Organizations are obviously keen for employees to be uh, engaged and, well, interested in the work they're doing on a Monday morning. And, well, another aspect of it, it links actually in with looking at um, employee well-being and how managers can support employees. So one thing is making... um a place, and that's actually why um, Kirsten Ferber from Channel 4, the people director, is really interested in the topic. So she's been blogging about it for years. It's like, how can we make work a happier place? And why is it that people dread coming into work um, already thinking about their Monday when it's still their weekend? So one thing is, yeah, how do you make it a better place? So that's a really well-being related um, and engagement related topic. Another one links in with mental health, for instance. I mean, for instance, if you yeah, if someone always has the Sunday night blues and their manager creates an atmosphere at work where they could say to the manager, God, I, uh, I, did, I, did, I somehow dreaded my Monday because I've got X number of projects and these difficult conversations to have, then they could have that conversation with the manager of, you know, helping them to reprioritize or just re- give reassurance because often it seems that what whatever problems or thoughts people are grappling with, they seem to be worse on a Sunday night. And so I think work can do something to create generally a just allow for these conversations to happen, even if you don't speak about the Sunday night boost directly, but where employees could address, for instance, reprioritization issues or be proactive and say, you know, I don't really know where I stand and can we have a chat about career progression? It doesn't have to be a kind of big once a year annual discussion only, but it's this kind of continuous check-in. And we know from the research that that actually has a big effect on building trust and so on. So all of these topics are related. And yeah, I would say if an employer takes that to heart, it will have a, a big impact on the well-being of their workforce and and also the work engagement. And, and I guess as as well, um, if we look at things from an employer perspective, or maybe an individual leader or manager perspective, there are perhaps simple things like making sure that you don't schedule a you know a, a weekly um, a weekly team catch up meeting at eight a.m. on a Sunday morning Monday morning, sorry, um, which is inevitably going to cause people stress, but also lead them to doing preparatory work exactly. in advance of, of that that meeting. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that's come through in the interviews and focus groups. Um, so we asked uh, participants, we asked so employees, HR directors, uh, managers, you know, what, what could be done? And they said, yeah, don't, don't, don't schedule these operational meetings um, on a, on a Monday morning and give people the time, try to keep their diary free 
so they can schedule meetings if they want, but they can get on top of things and they don't have, as you said exactly that, they don't have to do the preparatory work for a meeting on a on a Monday morning. And another recommendation is keeping Friday afternoon free or maybe depending on what the team does to have a quick check-in so there's nothing kind of hanging over the weekend and everyone knows what the priorities are. And also as a manager, not to dump work on someone's desk um, on a Friday afternoon. So when you're working through your to-do list, uh, for most people it never ends, of course, but it's always a great feeling. Oh, I finished this one more thing on Friday, mm. sending it on to a colleague who, of course, then already thinks, right, okay, when is this needed? And is, is this going to be my weekend? So a lot can be done, I think, with clear prioritization and just being mindful when communication is being sent and tasks are being delegated and also reprioritization. And you alluded already to the the stress that can be caused by receiving emails from your manager or someone else in your organization over a weekend, particularly on a Sunday. And and I guess there's also uh, perhaps a responsibility for organizations to to try to minimize the amount of unnecessary emails that are sent on weekends and in evening times. Yeah, absolutely. And there are, of course, jobs where it's necessary. But if it's a regular habit that the manager always sends emails, it's also then harder to really uh, know what is what is really urgent now and what isn't. Do I constantly need to check all the email, all my emails? And there are plenty of examples where people receive emails from their managers on Sundays. Managers say, I don't expect you to reply. Some even have that as a in, in their email signature. I might be emailing you out of normal work hours. I don't expect you to respond. But a lot of people seem to have Outlook installed on their private phones and mm. receive the emails. And then if they have an operational meeting on Monday morning, I think, okay, this is something I need to read. Otherwise, I'm not on top of things when we have our weekly meeting Monday morning, 9 a.m. or 9.30. I used to work for someone, and what you're saying there reminds me of this. I used to work for someone who would make a habit of sitting on the couch on a Saturday evening after the kids had gone to bed, cleaning out their email inbox from the previous week. And so you'd be getting copious emails at 10 11 midnight on a Saturday night and it was incredibly stressful yeah even though they would say well you don't have to respond but there was that pressure that you've kind of felt you had to uh, and you had to engage yeah yeah absolutely and and the thing is that of course there are people who say look I've, I've got child care responsibilities I only get to you know, finish working on my emails or other things in the evenings. And I would say we can use the, I mean, there's a lot to be said for the delay send function. Mm. I would also say if there are people who absolutely must email in the evenings because there's no other way of, of getting through the work or they have specific circumstances, I think that is a matter of communication and expectation between a manager and the rest of the team, but it shouldn't be the norm and i think everyone will be understanding if someone has to do it but if it's a habit and as you said you found it stressful receiving these emails on a saturday evening and we we know from research that if you receive an email and that is already in your head and 
if it's a negative email, it's a, something, an issue, um, if it's negative and emotional content, it's harder to get it out of your head. So you might just have a quick glance at the email on your phone, Outlook, and then it might already be in your thoughts. And well, and that can already also affect thoughts that carry over into the next morning. Yeah. And I guess that le leads me to, to, to the next question I was thinking of, because we were talking there about what organizations can do, but, but, but what about individuals themselves who might, whether it's regularly or, or even just from time to time, be experiencing the Sunday night blues? What, what could they perhaps do to, to better manage that process? Yeah, there, there are several strategies that you can do, and those came through the interview. So, so one is planning activities for a Sunday night, something that is fun. And that sounds very obvious, but it seems that uh, people who experience a Sunday night was regularly feel, even if they don't check their emails, if they don't do any work on a Sunday, they have to somehow mentally already engage with work and they're not available to do anything else, which then impacts uh, actually, uh, for instance, their friends, social network, family mm. life in a negative way. So planning for positive activities and whatever that that is, and it's something different for uh, many people, but physical exercise, just even going for a walk, social activities, meeting with friends. So when I um, had discussions about this with teaching a lecture, uh, this was um, basically one of our executive programs and people were saying, yeah, I actually made a habit of conscious of meeting, going to the cinema with friends. Every Sunday evening, we've got this thing now. And for some people, it will not be possible because they have um, family commitments. But then the question is, can something be organized in a way that there is a, a positive way of ending the Sunday? That's one. The other one is the strategies that... I'm sure many people are aware of the the to-do lists on a on a Friday, trying to get that to a, a point where they feel it's manageable. But it can also be helpful having a chat with your manager about checking in. You know, what are my priorities, or in terms of my career progression, I'm I'm not sure where I stand. And when it comes to working on a weekend, some people say. If I don't work on a Sunday, I just feel really stressed out because I'm not on top of things. The thing is, if you do work on a Sunday, you will think more about work, which makes mm. it harder to recharge your batteries. If you must work on a Sunday because some people have extremely busy jobs, then the recommendation is time box it and be really, really disciplined. Which sounds easy, but, but it's uh, hard. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's and hard. and uh, what's come through in the interview? So some people say, "Yeah, I just wanted to check emails for ten minutes, and then was two hours later." And yeah. yeah. And the the other strategy which I have seen, and let me be clear, I have not pursued myself, is is people unfortunately just drinking too much on a Sunday night to try and block out any any thought of work because if I start drinking then I don't have to worry about it but it it, it interferes with their sleep and it doesn't really seem to help and uh, definitely as I said not something I've done but a you know a, a, a destructive behavior not a positive behavior right right yeah yeah the recommendation would there be yeah planned for something yeah fun on a Sunday 
evening and make it a like a, a conscious thing. I think these things won't happen if people have habits um, that are not, um, yeah, not 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 very conducive to, uh, yeah, feeling in a in a good mood on a Sunday. It's hard to change habits, but you can replace them with something that requires some sort of conscious planning. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talked earlier on regarding you know different variations on the Sunday night blues based on people's unusual or, or different work patterns. But but I just wanted to ask as well, before we finish up, what was the impact of the pandemic when people suddenly went from working in an office perhaps to working at their kitchen table and, and unable to, to make that physical break from their place of work? Did, did that make the Sunday night blues worse or didn't have any impact at all? Yeah, it's interesting. There are two observations. Again, it's, it's, yeah, preliminary data coming out of the interviews that some participants said, I mean, I think across the board, everyone said that the boundaries were more blurred. We know that during the pandemic, which had an impact on being able or not being able to switch off on a Sunday. So that is definitely... Yeah, a, a point where um, I think also during the pandemic, when there was nothing else to do when you were in lockdown and there were additional pressures also with um, childcare, it was a hard transition for mm. many from Sunday to Monday, anecdotally. So I think the blurred boundaries are an issue and that's where sending emails as a manager on a Sunday is an issue. When it comes to hybrid working, um, some participants say, however, they prefer to work from home on a on a Monday. It somehow eases the transition into the week when they're in their own comfortable home and they don't have, especially if they don't have to commute. So that is something that is actually quite relevant for the hybrid working condition uh, discussion. And one thing I think that's really relevant for managers is just generally whatever meetings managers schedule, so ideally not on a Monday morning, but if they manage to create like a, a, a positive experience with the with the meetings where people feel they're actually enjoying the social interaction and even just allowing for a bit of positive banter at the beginning mm. about non-work stuff and creating this kind of trust that that has a yeah an impact um I think also for people who have to have their Monday morning meeting. So if because of the type of work you do, you have to have these Monday morning check-in meetings, then the recommendation would, you know, make it focused and, and, but a, and a positive, at least ease people in with a, a positive way of starting the meeting. It, it makes a lot of sense. If people wanted to find out more about your research project or, or maybe Keep, keep track of, of any updates as they emerge. Is there anywhere that they could go? Yeah, well, we have a, a website, um, which I think you have uh, referred to. So we, we we are constantly updating that with new research findings and yeah, linking across other resources that, that we're working on. Okay, fantastic. And I'll, I'll make sure to put a link to those in the uh, in the show notes. Professor Ilka Incholu of the University of Exeter, thank you very much for your time. It's been great speaking to you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. 